Alright guys, today we are going to get into kind of the core of mental health and really trying to discuss some things like depression and medication, but also trying to look at how we can set ourselves up mentally to take on some of these new and scary tasks and go against the grain a little bit for what society and maybe what our family and our friends and some of those kinds of people might be telling us. And we're going to start to maybe think about making decisions going in an opposite direction and how scary that is, but kind of some things that we can do to help support each other and really help have more confidence to know that we are on the right path on the right direction. And first, we're going to start with reading, which unfortunately, I think has become one of those things in our society that has taken a backseat, especially for a lot of young people. But what I find to be really, really cool is I am more often surrounded by people who are consistently reading, educating, and furthering their knowledge base at the gym than I am anywhere else. And when I try to get people that are maybe outside of the gym or they're not in our you know community of kind of self-improvement, then I ask them what they're reading or I ask them what the last thing they read is or I recommend a book to them. And this is the big one. You recommend a book to somebody and then watch their reaction. You will legitimately see people who spend hours, 10 hours, 15, 20, 25 hours a week watching Netflix on Instagram and on Facebook when you combine those hours, yet they will tell you that number one, they don't have time to read. Number two, that reading's stupid or there's no value in it or they've made some other excuse. And I'm not entirely sure why. I've kind of sat and thought about this, but I think that there's something to the fact that you know, Netflix and social media, they have designed their systems around keeping you hooked on being on those systems, kind of constant entertainment. And when we read, our minds tend to wander. And I think at first when I started to read, this was something that really frustrated me. I couldn't stay focused in the book. And so I would maybe make it uh, on average about 22 to 28 pages before my mind just totally starts to wander and my eyes are going, but my brain's not actually taking in any of the information. For a long time, that was my excuse not to read. Now, I have a brother who is an incredible reader. So I always used to say, because I couldn't stay focused and because I was a slow, really comprehensive reader, I would always say, oh, I'm a bad reader. And I had kind of convinced myself that I just wasn't good at it. And anytime you do that to anything, you are naturally going to be significantly worse at it because now you've also convinced yourself that you're bad, but you're also not doing the only thing that will make you better at it, which is actually working at your craft or working at that task. And so I had stepped away from reading for quite a long time, probably from the time I was about 16 until I started going back to school at about 26. I don't think I really read a book or dove into much information that wasn't electronic based. And so I think that that's kind of the, the first thing is the social media does a really good job of kind of grabbing you. Netflix is designed so that you want to watch that next episode. And now it just automatically runs for you. So boom, there goes another hour. But one of the revelations that I had when I started to focus on becoming a better reader was that my mind wandering was exactly the reason that I should be reading. And that takes a second to sink in, but really think about it. What you're doing when your mind starts to wander is you've read something 
and your creativity has been stimulated and now that creativity starts to run it starts to take over your analytical brain starts to turn itself off and you start to have bigger ideas and i think it's really really important to listen to those ideas and a great example of this is i'm reading a book called tribe that was given to me by zach judy thank you zach i really like it so far by the way and I was struggling. I knew I needed to, you know, come up with some podcast, something that I wanted to talk about today. And I was really at a loss for what I was going to talk about. I had a few things. None of them were overly exciting to me. And I never wanted to do a podcast when I didn't feel like I was passionate about something. To me, that's something that's kind of a secret to success. If I'm going to implement a new system in a gym or I'm going to change something, I'm going to try to do that from a place of passion and excitement. And then that way, hopefully it'll always be something that is desired. But as I was reading this book, I came across this quote and it's a paragraph. So I'm going to read it for you guys. And as soon as I read this paragraph, my brain could not get back to the book. I was just unable to focus. I think I went through 10 more pages and realized that I really hadn't read any of those pages. I hadn't taken in any of the information because I was still thinking about the efficacy of this quote and really what precedes it and the discussion that's kind of coming up to it is talking a lot about how native cultures that are indoctrinated into urban societies, right? So you think about Native Americans who come into Western society and then vice versa, Europeans who get indoctrinated into uh, Native American tribes, and then Mexicans who are born in the United States versus, uh, you know, their direct cousins, brothers, sisters who are born in Mexico and live at a lower poverty level. But there's, you know, their suicide, their depression rates are significantly better, the worse off financially or from an affluence perspective they are. And so it's kind of an inverse ratio. And so to go back to Puff Daddy, right, it truly is a more money, more problems type thing. And most of the statistical data is going to back that up. But the quote that I want to go into here is it says, the economic and marketing forces of modern society have engineered an environment that maximizes consumption at the long term cost of well-being. This is a study, in side note, breaks for a second, says it's a study uh, in the Journal of Affective Disorders concluded in 2012. In effect, humans have dragged a body with a long hominid history into an overfed, malnourished, sedentary, sunlight-deficient, sleep-deprived, competitive, inequitable, and socially isolating environment with dire consequences. And I thought, you know, that's the end of the quote. And I thought, how fitting is that to exactly what we talk a lot about on this podcast? If we really break down how he kind of went at that quote, we talk about overfed, we talk about malnourished, sedentary, sunlight deficient, sleep deprived. We haven't talked a lot about being competitive with each other, but or inequitable and socially socially isolating. But that's what we're going to talk a little bit about now is really how we can start to think about and what I'm going to call this episode and what I'm going to talk about is the healthful or the fitness approach to kind of, let's say, treating depression, right? I'm not going to say curing because I think that's a different conversation, but let's say treating depression. 
Because now, as I've started to have more of these conversations, and as I've started to get on a deeper level with the communications that you guys have with me about your families, your moms and dads, your brothers and sisters, people in your life who are struggling, and they seem stuck, there are so many similarities. And unfortunately, there are so many instances of this that I've started to have this conversation very, very consistently, which of course makes me sad. But it also makes me wonder, what is the difference between us or somebody who is extremely happy with where they're at, even though they might be younger, they might be less affluent, they might have taken a pay cut to come and be you know, a coach at a CrossFit gym or to stay in Columbus and not take that promotion in another city. We have these instances around us in our community and what they've chosen is, you know, loyalty and they've, they've taken an approach that is going to give them a happier life, but maybe not a more affluent life as society sees it. And this is something that I feel super privileged to have a little bit of perspective on. Uh, I grew up and I was, I would definitely say I was probably upper middle class. My family did really well. My dad worked extremely hard. But as I started to near the end of my high school time, I was 18 years old. I knew I was going to be off on my own. I stuck with society for about a year longer than I probably should have or wanted to. And I went off to college and my college was going to be paid for. I didn't I didn't want for a lot, but I was extremely extremely unsatisfied. I had no push, I had no desire, I had no hunger to me to have that education and I did extremely poorly. When I started to come to the conclusion that what I needed was to get away, right? I needed to find my, to use a book's term, find my tribe, find a community where we had to band together. And for me, this is why I look back on basic training as such a phenomenal time for me. It took me from the comfort of, you know, a nice dorm or a nice home and put me into you know, community toilets, community showers, community bunks, where all you had to your name was a footlocker and, you know, a pen and a piece of paper to write traditional mailed letters. And not a lot of people, especially not a lot of people my age, are ever going to sit down and be in a place where the only form of communication that they can have with the outside world is written letters. And during basic training, there's this assimilation that happens. And here's kind of the way it went for me, and here's kind of the way I saw it go for other people, is those first few months, you're still trying to kind of get your head wrapped around being cut off from all your friends and family. You want to still cling to these relationships that you think are so important to you. But after a while, you write some letters and you do some things and you kind of realize people don't write you back and people probably don't really care about you. And you can take that a couple different ways. Maybe they're so busy, they're so caught up in society, they're in college and blah, 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 that they don't feel the need to take a break from that or they're, you know, they can't see the purpose in writing you. But what you start to find then is the immediacy of the tribe or the platoon that you are in, they sort of become your brothers and sisters. They become your new best friends. They become the people that you rely on because 
when your girlfriend breaks up with you via letter or, you know, you don't get a letter back from anybody for weeks on end, even though you wrote a ton, you start to kind of see that these people are also going through this with you. And you start to struggle together at the same time you're having all these physical challenges that you guys are accomplishing tasks and kind of accomplishing goals together. And you've been reduced. It's simple. It's simple life. It's simple thought process. You make it to the next meal. You complete the next task. And you sort of start to become numb to worrying about keeping up all of these cosmetic relationships. Separating myself from that did a world for me mentally, did a world for me physically. It started to teach me so many of the values that I've come to have today and really start to learn to appreciate that, you know, I don't need a television, I don't need a computer, I don't need these things that, you know, kind of society tells me that I need. Conversely, if you do the exact opposite, it's kind of like Costanza or that movie Yes Man. If you do the exact opposite, right? If you get rid of a computer and you start handwriting notes to people, or you start sitting down and asking people to have coffee with you or have real conversations or go out to dinner or cook dinner for somebody in a traditional way, or you read a book instead of watching TV. These things sort of start to sound on the short term as maybe a little bit different or ridiculous, but I can promise you what it's going to do is it's going to help you create a tribe. It's not going to leave you feeling lonely and secluded. It's going to stimulate your creativity. It's going to stimulate your relationship mind. It's going to help you build better habits. And you're not going to sink and lose some of these hours into things that ultimately I can guarantee you on your deathbed or on your retirement bed, you're going to just say, I wish I didn't spend so much time on Facebook. I wish I didn't spend so much time caring about Instagram. I wish I didn't spend so much time watching television. And when you really think about it, a lot of what I watch television for, if I really sit and think about it, is to either one, to totally turn off, right? Because I've been too kind of turned on in, in the mental sense uh, for too long of a period of time. But what I really watch it for is to talk to other people about it. And it's like, we've sort of set up this society where, you know, I watch basketball games so I can go to the gym the next day and talk about basketball with people and have that conversation, have that social interaction with people. And if I don't do that, if I don't watch that game, I feel like I'm maybe going to be a little bit of an outcast or I'm going to not have something to converse with people about. And that then makes me again, feel kind of more lonely, but I think that's the design of it. Right. And so what I found after basic training then is a simplified life where you're not allowed some of these material objects was some of my happiest times I've ever had. Some of the closest, most tight bonds that I've ever had. And if you talk to guys about war or who have been in some of these, you know, combat type situations, especially special forces guys or people who were off in a land where they were totally secluded, right? They didn't have a lot of radio communication. They were going to be out there for an extended period of time living among tribal people. They're all going to tell you that they have this ridiculously tight brotherhood and it gets so hard for them to come back to American society because 
all of the abundance and all of the things that we have reduce the conversations that we have to this basic non-real non-effective or really not close not real level and we end up you know dancing around what we think people want to hear what we think people want to talk about and i think the problem with money to go back to that or affluence is it gives us the ability to be more secluded right so what do we do when we start to get more money right we buy a bigger house with more land with a fenced in yard and we start to get ourselves more separated from our neighbors in our neighborhood there might be only 40 houses as opposed to living in a community and apartment complex where you have 200 houses or 200 families living in the same area we start to develop things inside of those houses that allow us to continue to spend more time with either just our family or just ourselves. And so we buy bigger TVs, we buy entertainment systems, we buy these huge kitchens and dining rooms, yet we don't often have people over to them. So obviously, you know, I skew a little bit more towards the minimalist mindset. And I truly believe that if you start to get yourself forced into a situation where you're going to have to be around more people, have more relationships, communicate with your neighbors, your family, your friends, your community more often, and you supplement that taking away from the things that are seclusionary, right? The things that will keep you by yourself that that will be one of the biggest and most important first steps to you really finding consistent happiness. And I think that that allows us to be free from the choices that we feel forced or obligated to make that have a money first concept, right? So I see people all the time and it breaks my heart. We see people who love being in the gym they come all the time, they have great friendships, they have great relationships, and then all of a sudden they get promoted or they get married and they buy a house. And one of those two things forces them to move or get out of the community. When I see those people down the road and I ask them, you know, how are you doing? And did you find another community? Did you find a gym? It's, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't find any place that I liked as much as friendship or no, you know, I haven't really gotten back into the gym and they've lost their community and they sacrificed that to, again, kind of do something that we're told is a progression. It's a natural progression. We're told that we need to take the promotion or we have to have upward mobility or we have to go and buy a house because of course we do. But it's really super counterintuitive if you think about it. If you love the way you're living right now, why would you go out of your way to take on more work, more hours, and remove the things in your life that are actually making you happy? It's really, really crazy if you think about it. Yet, I would say in Dublin, Ohio, in affluent communities of you know predominantly white American males in their 30s, my demographic, who I am, 
that's the pressure that society puts on us. That's what all the advertising dollars tell us we need to be doing. That's what all of the social media and all the people who are posting pictures of their, you know, big new houses and all these things. That's what we're constantly inundated with showing us that we need to be pursuing. And my question for that is always going to be, is this going to set you up to be more communal, to have better relationships, to spend more time reading and being creative and building closer bonds with people around you? Or if you're really honest, is it something that is going to seclude you more? Are you building gigantic worshipped dens to a television? Or are you building spaces that are communal, that are built to have people over or spend time with your family? And that goes back to the commencement speech that I sent out a lot last week that talks about that watch what you worship. And I think it's hugely important or telling, and I kind of go back to that uh, Friends episode with Joey, where the woman doesn't have a TV and he he can't understand what her furniture points at. And it's so true. It's such an American culture thing where uh, we build our houses, we build our communal areas around facing the television, which in and of itself is an entirely non-communal activity. So I think these are just important questions to ask. And now, obviously, some of you guys have you know just bought new houses. We have a lot of people in our community that are moving around in real estate right now because the market's crazy and there's all this stuff going on. But I think those are things, as you guys are setting up your new houses, you guys are moving in there, I think it's so important to keep an eye on, to worry what you worship, and to just kind of keep in the back of your mind about why are you setting things up the way you're setting them up. Have you gone out of your way to make connections with your neighbors? Have you, you know, moved closer to the gym or whatever it is that makes you happy? Have you moved closer to that community? Will this financial situation now set you up to give more money to charity, spend more time donating, uh, you know, your time, your effort, your energy to your community? Will it help you progress in ways that we know will make you happy? Or is this going to be a financial burden on you? Are you setting things up uh, and spending more money on things that will take your effort and energy away from the communities in which you live? And will those activities lead you to, going back to reading uh, the quote, being overfed, malnourished, sedentary, sunlight deficient, sleep deprived, and socially isolating? Those are the things they talked about. And think about the environment you're putting yourself in, right? If you're set up to sit and watch TV late into the night, spend more time inside than outside, and become socially isolated, you are going to be on a path closer to depression, closer to sadness and isolation and loneliness than you are of true, you know, what I consider to be true wealth, relationship wealth. So this is where my approach comes in, and this is where I start the conversation with people. And the first bottom part of our pyramid, if you guys look at it, is mental. And I'm going to continue to dive into this. I'm going to continue to talk more about the mental aspect than everything else, because if your mental shit is dialed in, you're going to have zero issue ascending that ladder all the way up to whatever goals you need or want to achieve, whether it be physically or you know in your career or anything else. 
But that mental health part on the bottom of the pyramid needs to begin with self-awareness. And that's the first starting point for everybody. And the problem with self-awareness, and if you guys have ever had conversations with your loved ones or people around you, you know that the problem with self-awareness is the people who don't have self-awareness aren't aware that they don't have self-awareness. And so you get into this cyclical loop of a conversation where you're kind of banging your head against the wall and you want them to be so much healthier or so much better off and you know you can help them but they just haven't gotten to a place of being aware, number one, that they need help a lot of time, and number two, that you actually can help them. And if we think about why, here's why I think. Exercise and nutrition in our society have been advertised as a way to get washboard abs. They've been advertised as a way for us to look better with our shirts off or look better in Instagram photos and look better for social media so that we get closer to that supermodel effect, right? The, he- the headlines are always, you know, see Ryan Reynolds workout that he did to get in shape for Blade 2 or, you know, here's the 300 workout that these guys all did to get ripped and it's kind of one of those things where you're constantly pushed with, and I see this all the time. People come into our, our community. They come into our facility and they need mental help. They're on antidepressants. They've been struggling with loneliness and feeling fulfilled and they have this gap and this gap is sitting there and they're telling me, I want to lose 10 pounds because they think that looking better and losing 10 pounds and doing these things are their missing key to happiness. Or they might think, and a lot of times, a lot of people, they won't part ways with their money because they think that their money is more important to their happiness than their physical and mental well-being. And both things are these major roadblocks that I see us contending with all the time. I see a lot of society contending with all the time. And I see a lot of people struggling with. And our coaches, they struggle with it daily trying to help these people. And so the conversation for us needs to switch. What we need to talk about and how we need to think about our health and fitness is for mental health first. If you start eating well, you start sleeping, you start getting sunlight, you start to do these things that Sebastian talks about in his book in that quote, you start to get yourself in a place where you're treating your body the way that it's meant to be treated. What's going to happen is your mind is going to start to be in a better place and you're going to start to remove those depressive activities. You're going to start to come out of seclusion. You're going to be more apt to sit around the gym afterwards and have a conversation and build a relationship. At work, you're going to be more attentive. You're going to be more communicative to your boss. You're going to be more confident. We see these things all the time. The missing link for these people is the fact that they just weren't treating their minds and bodies right. And when we start doing that, we start becoming these super powerful relationship beings. We become somebody who's very desired to be around. We become somebody who finds the relationship, right? We see marriages all the time in our facility. We see people confidently getting promotions at work. 
But then we get faced again with these decisions, right? And so this kind of becomes the secondary loop that we were talking about earlier. When you see the success start to come for you, look back at what were the things that I'm doing differently now that I wasn't doing a year ago or two years ago? What changed that gave me the ability to have this promotion or start this relationship? And if the only thing that you really went and changed is you joined a community, you started at a gym, you met a coach who changed your life, who believed in you, who motivated you, those are the changes, then you need to do everything in your power to make sure that you double down on those things. If you move, the first thing you need to do when you move and you get promoted is find the facility, find the community that is going to be right for you. It's what gave you your power. It's what gave you that confidence to get the promotion in the first place. It's the same thing with relationships, right? If you are a happier person, you smile more when you talk to people, you're willing to go up to strangers more confidently, and that wasn't something that you did very well before you joined your community. And again, this can be anything. This can be a church. This can be a charity. uh, This can be a country club. This can be just a new neighborhood where you meet some new neighbors. Any of these changes will qualify you to improving your mental state. Because again, what we're trying to do is get out of that, you know, secluded lifestyle. So if you're doing these things, then double down. That's the biggest thing I can tell you. What brings you happiness Spend your time, spend your money, spend your effort, spend whatever it is, and constantly pursue those things that help you get further away from the things that we know lead to depression. Do not get to this place where you are constantly desiring a bigger house or a nicer neighborhood or more money or more power or your next promotion. If we covet those things, then we're constantly going to go back to this place where we're walking further away from relationships. We're walking further away from stimulating our creativity and advancing our minds and starting to get to a place where first thing that we think about every day is not how do I become a better person? How do I become a better father, a better mother, a better son or daughter? It's instead, how do I get ahead at work? And that's just, I'm sorry to say, it's just a sad and lonely existence that we know leads you to asking questions and wondering why and talking to your doctor and saying, I can't figure out why I can't be happy. And in a roundabout way, this comes back to the conversations that we have. We have people who are telling us certain things, and I know deep in my my mind, in my heart, that... What they need is a community. What they need is support. And what they need is to get their stuff together from a mental and a physical health perspective. And that is going to start this big, powerful snowball. And it's going to get it rolling. And then everything else is going to kind of take off from there. So those are kind of my steps to beginning your mental journey in understanding what makes you healthy and why it makes you healthy and what makes you happy and why it makes you happy. And this is kind of that constant question that people are asking and Western society got it wrong. We got a lot of stuff wrong. It's time to start admitting that, but we got it wrong, right? In Tribe, he talks a lot about how there are hundreds, thousands of documented incidences where Westerners who were 
you know, going through and knocking out Native American cultures, they fled the Western society, the advanced, quote unquote, advanced society that they lived in to go and live with tribal Native Americans because it was just simpler. It was better. And so the thing that we need to think about then is what is the space that we put ourselves in? And does that space stimulate your creativity? Does it stimulate your relationships? And does it set you off into a place where you're not going to be stuck inside by yourself more often than not? Secondly, then, do you understand what your goals are from a health and fitness perspective? And if you've found success with that, are you attributing the right successes to the right places? Or what do you need to do more of? Do you need to focus more on meeting more people in the gym so you can build a better community? Are you not meeting new people? Are you uncomfortable talking to strangers? That's not your fault, right? That's our Netflix, Instagram culture, right? We hide behind computer screens to talk to people instead of getting better at communicating face-to-face. Do you need to re-communicate goals to your coaches, right? If you're on antidepressants and that's not something that you talked to your coach about, that should be your first goal to get off of. That should be the first thing that we are working towards. Having a flatter stomach, having a bigger back squat, all those different things, they're awesome and they will make you physically better, but they are not in and of themselves going to get you off of prescription drugs. What will or what might and what can help is introducing you to a few people around the gym who are amazing and positive people, flipping your inner circle to being a more positive group of people, getting involved with charities and with communities, and spending more of your time outwardly giving and contributing to your community rather than going back to that, yeah, we're going to sit inside and we're going to watch a movie and we're not going to talk to each other. So with that, I'm going to get off my computer and I'm going to go and indulge in some conversations and relationships and try to make that better. And I'm going to keep that as my first focus today is to build a better relationship with somebody. And obviously I get to cheat, but you guys also get to cheat with me. There are, you know, 300, if you count the teenagers, uh, people in the gym that have amazing stories that you guys can go and talk to. I've shown you a couple on the Sunday coffee chats, and I hope to show you more. But these are the things that you guys have the ability to go and do. So that's what I'm going to go and do. And that's going to be my focus for the day is to build one better relationship with one person. And that I think should kind of be our constant focus every day. So you have a few different pieces of homework for this episode. The first piece is I want you to think about the time that you are going to grab the remote, the next time you grab the remote, and this needs to be crushed into your head. The next time you go and grab the remote, I want you to take a second for pause, and I want you to think about, have I done enough to make my marriage, my family, my relationship with my son, daughter, brother, sister, mom, dad, have I done something to make that better today? And if you haven't, do not turn on the television. Go and take an hour, go and spend some time, make your relationships better. Those are the most important ones to you. You have to have some communication there. The second thing I want you guys to do is take a second and read for just a little bit every day. Stimulate that creativity. If your mind wanders right when you start reading, awesome. Indulge in that. Let it wander. Think about what it's wandering to, right? If it's wandering to 
sex or sexual desires, right? Go and communicate with somebody who you might be able to have sexual relationships with. Because that's what your body and mind are starting to tell you, is it's starting to tell you what you need. And then the last thing, guys, is think about the space that you surround yourself with. And that's at work, that's at home, and that's at the places that you're spending time with. A lot of people will call this the third place. For some people, it's churches. For some people, it's country clubs. For a lot of you guys, it's the gym. For some people, it's unfortunately something that they haven't been able to find yet. And that's a big part of the problem, right? But think about where you guys are spending your time and is that place optimized for me to build better relationships, to focus on my physical and my mental health? And if it's not, start to look at how you can make that change. That's super important. And I think a lot of people get stuck into jobs and that the rat race. And you just, the most freeing thing that you will ever do is realizing that none of that matters at all. In reality, most of the studies, the suicide rates, the depression rates, they will all show you that money has an inverse relationship with happiness. It's not something that automatically by itself promotes happiness. We know that. It's fact at this point. It's time to accept that. So instead, I want you to focus on relentlessly pursuing the development of your relationships and your contribution. I promise you that if you focus those things, you spend less time at the TV, less time on your cell phone, less time at the computer, and more time cultivating relationships and contribution, all of those things like power and money and influence that other people covet, they will just naturally find you. But the great part is, is you won't care at all. It won't affect you because you're happy because of other things, the more important things. So I know, unfortunately, that this will hit home for a lot of you guys. I know a lot of you guys are trying to help your friends, your family members, maybe yourself, your loved ones with depression, with some of these issues. And I hope that this might help give you some clarity, give you some discussion, maybe forward it along to them and let them listen. But always remember... That first part is self-awareness. If people don't think that they have a problem or they don't think that there's a solution to their problem or their doctor has convinced them that this pill will fix your problem, you're facing a very uphill battle. You can send them a podcast. They won't listen to it. You can pay for them to come to a CrossFit gym. You can buy them a new house. You can do all these different things. It's not going to change until the person realizes that their actions, the things that they're doing every day, and the way in which they communicate about their relationships and how present they are and how much they work on cultivating that, until they fix those things, they are not going to get to a place where they can improve. Thanks, guys. Hope you liked it. And uh, I have some probably some cool things coming up to discuss in a week or two. And uh, I hope to have a few different podcasts about different things, some changes that uh, I'm making in my personal life and Marie and I are making in our personal life, some changes that we're probably going to be you know, making to the gym and some other things like that. So some fun stuff coming up here that I'm excited to start getting uh, some decisions made, getting some things finalized so I can bring it to you guys on the podcast and then hold my feet to the fire and make sure that I follow through with everything. 
thank you guys so much for being the community of people that pulled me out of a really lonely and a really depressive state and have given me a place that I can go every day and find that fulfillment and find that relationship, um, you know, equity and all of those amazing things and have this clarity at a young age because so many people could don't find it. And I really, I blame the community for lack of a better way. I, I uh, attribute this to our amazing community and the amazing people that have come before you guys um, and all the people along the way. So thank you so much. If you guys were a part of that, if you guys have given me a smile, a hug, some friendship, uh, some positivity, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that every day.